Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, happy Monday, everybody. Hope you guys had a really great, restful, fun, dynamic weekend. One of the things I was watching and it was really heartbreaking to see is the news was updating us on Broadway. And they were saying at least, at least another eight months before things get moving. And I think they said, ready for this, May 2021 would be when uh, things, well, actually they said that the tickets, current ticket holders, tickets will be pushed back, pushed back to at least May 2021. Okay. Now, the caveat though that they didn't bring in is not all the shows are going to be able to come back. Maybe not all the theaters have made it. Actors, lead actors and actresses are leaving. And that's kind of something we're going to talk about on Love Line throughout the week is just the impact on all of this on our mental health, but also on our careers and our changing identities. We talked about this last week. Also, um, I, and one of the news stories that came up was a performer in Broadway and she was saying, I'm, I'm going to go back to school for accounting. And I understand that, you know, having them having been out of work for what would be going on a full year unclear what shows are coming back and what capacities finances unsure people are thinking i'm not willing to do the this grind anymore and i so respect that people want more stability also people are maybe saying i'm going to go after another dream you know life is more precious than i thought or my time is and so man it's going to be a bigger shift than just the doors are going to fly open in a lot of industries such as broadway and everything's going to be like it was it's just not the case right people are absolutely leaving careers things are going to come back differently um so it's going to be a brave new world and in some ways it might be worse in some ways better so we're not going to be going back to normal and that's what i have to keep correcting is it'll be different it's like everything else when we go through therapy, when we enter a new relationship, whatever it is, we don't go back, we go forward. And it's always something new and it's going to benefit some, it's going to be worse off for others. You know, again, I'm sending out empathy and care for those that are struggling and we all have to kind of hang in there, right? We have to do the best we can, you know? Uh, okay. So I wanted to also talk about something. This came up on my social media and uh, it's, it's kind of punchy for some, but it's important to talk about. So I was trying to educate, right? So even when I'm sharing a topic or a news story that seems kind of disconnected, always know that within there, I, I'm helping you unlearn some problematic norms around, you know, mental health and relationality, et cetera, et cetera. Also dropping in tips and gems. And so, you know, one of the things I was talking about was Trump and people's relationship to someone who they feel is a perpetrator, right? Because we very much have a cycle of violence and abuse in our culture and it comes up in people's relationships. So we talk about the cycle of abuse, right? And basically that is when um, someone harms us 
and then they try to soothe us and come off as safe, which is the hook that makes us hang in there and stick around, and then they attack again. So in psychology, we call it the cycle of abuse. We often call it gaslighting when an abuser, right, or anyone who supports the abuser, because abuse can take place with one person. It can also take place from a system or a community of people. It can also take place from an institution. So a lot of people are feeling victimized right now by the president, but also his administration. So they're feeling oppressed by the White House. So that's like a systemic and institutional uh, perpetrator. So again, we call it the cycle of abuse and gaslighting when an abuser, such as the Republicans or the president or the administration, demands empathy and care for their victims. And that came up when Trump tested COVID positive. And then it came out like, is, is he better? Is he not? So um, it's healthy for many to not empathize with their abuser and to hold them accountable fully. And that's why there's some debates online about whether or not they should send well wishes to the president. Now, for some, it's part of their you know mental health or spiritual journey to offer care and compassion to everyone. That's awesome. But for those that have been victims of abuse, it's really important for them to not do that because that's a cycle that they were trapped in. And when they finally remove themselves from the person who harms them, but then apologizes and then they feel safe and then harms them again, this is just a another part of that. And so for them, they need to not have empathy. They need to just set a firm boundary and say, that's not okay. You've harmed us. You've harmed our culture. You've harmed our country. And I can't wish you well. Uh, and you know, I support transformative and restorative justice, which means I hold space for all perpetrators to heal and to become better and to have accountability. But we have to have empathy and care from that person to be safe, to be brought back into our lives. And the president has never taken accountability. He's never done any work. And so he's still a perpetrator. He's still causing harm. And the healing can only begin right when the abuser takes that accountability and apologizes. And Trump has done neither. And so again, for many people, it's important that they stay angry and they stay upset. And you have to check in with yourself. Is that actually part of you learning to set boundaries and take care of yourself? Or is that you keeping yourself stuck in the relationship? Because having anger towards someone is a way that we can sometimes stay connected and keep them in our lives. They're not maybe physically or literally there, but emotionally and psychologically, they absolutely are. If you're spending time in your head fighting with them, screaming at them, them, uh, things like that. So remember, for some, they need to uh, forgive and let go so they can move on because they don't want to hold this person with them psychically. And for others, it's quite the opposite. So you really have to do that personal assessment based on who you are. Um, all right. Coming up next, we're going to talk about some relational stuff, and then we're going to be going into a really interesting thing called woke fishing, and, and Yelp is being accused of that right now. This just came out, I think, today, and this is a really interesting topic, so we're going to break that down. Question of the night, as always, is up on our Loveline IG page, so weigh in on that. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. Question of the night. As always, it's up on our Loveline IG page. So weigh in on that bad boy. And uh, we'll be sliding in the DMs later. So if you've got a question for me, go on to our Loveline IG page. As always, follow us, but uh, slide in the DMs there. Drop a question. We love hearing from you. We really do. We get to all of them. We, they are really read. They are, they are utilized. Um, so take advantage of that. You know, some people slide into my private DMs and they have these really beautiful, important questions and I try to use them for the show if I can, but um, this is a really good way to get your question answered and to get your voice heard. So yeah, question of the night and also the DMs and um, old uh, Loveline episodes. You can go to wearechannelq.com or radio.com. Got them all podcasted there. So, you know, spend the weekend with me. Put it on a binge, binge listen, climb in the tub. You know what I mean? You can do a little double leveled uh, self-care that way. Okay, so here's the deal. <laughs> one of the things that is very heartbreaking, and I see this out in the world and in my office, because I'm always assessing people's mental health, 
um, whether I'm aware of it or not. And the way we do that is by looking at people's relationships. You can learn, and a lot of people, <laughs> this lands real heavy and they're not always smiling when I say this, but I want, I want this to be a very safe space and a safe conversation and also a way to be very self-reflective and self-aware. Because remember, wh whatever the relationship is, because we are in so many different relationships at one time, we can be you know, someone's brother, also someone's loved one, someone's sex partner, someone's parent, someone's workout partner, whatever it is, we're, we're always enmeshed in these different relationships. And so we're always impacting people's mental health. Our mere presence, the way we engage them, the things we talk about, the things we co-create, it positively influences people or it negatively influences them. And I made my own you know, commitment years ago that I wanted to try to be the most positive influence I could be on the ones around me that are important to me, that I no longer wanted to be a negative influence or have a negative impact on someone. And so when I was single and dating and you know, part of hookup culture, I held myself accountable to that. I tried to, to the best of my ability at the different phases of my life, I said, you know, I don't want people to leave having been in my presence or having related to me being worse off, feeling worse off about themselves or about their body or about sex or about the world or whatever it is. Because it's always conscious and unconscious. You know, every time we interface with someone, even if it's just a server or barista whose name we don't know, we might not see again, we have the capacity to make them feel better or to make them feel worse, right? And so take that responsibility seriously. And we talk about that on the show, but I want to make sure I'm always driving that home. And so, you know, we don't want to create relationships that are abusive, not neither towards ourselves nor towards another person. And so it's always important to just say to yourself, how am I impacting those around me? And it's such a it's such a powerful like statement of self-awareness that we rarely have. We rarely take time for that. But do that, you know, during the break. Um, assess that think of we even write it down like this is where you know i'm glad everyone's doing their home workouts but we want to also do mental workouts and here's an example of how we can do one journal either you can do active imagination which means you're just thinking and processing in your mind or you can journal and write this down but think of the five people who you are in the most uh consistent and connected relationship to some individuals, it might be coworkers and colleagues because we spend a lot of time at you know work. For others, it might be family members and loved ones. And think of the top five and say, what kind of impact do I have on them? I want at some point you to do the inverse, which is what kind of impact do they have on me? But always start with yourself because that's mental health, You know, being self-aware, but also realizing the impact we have on others. And then we get to how do they impact me? Because us just showing up differently changes the relationship and how they'll maybe impact and relate to us. But ask yourself that. Do these five people, are they made better because I'm in their life? Or do I think, or do you think you make it worse? Again, it's how you hang out with them, what you guys do, the things you bond over. Are you the kind of friends that you bond over talking negatively about yourselves and other people in the world? And again, it's not about getting rid of them and canceling people. It's about saying, what can I do to shift and improve that? And sometimes that means sitting down and talking honestly, hey, I realized our relationship is centered around complaining, whining, bitching, negativity. Let's not do that anymore. Let's, let's create it such that our relationship is centered around all the other things. I started to really take note of that. It was a game changer. My social, how I socialized shifted dramatically, as you can imagine, but my mental health did, and that's more important, right? So it's the both pieces. How am I impacting those around me, but how else are they impacting me? Uh, am I engaging in things that could fall under emotional abuse? Am I trying to control? 
am I self-centering too much? Am I making everything about me? Am I making everything personal? Am I too fragile, right? And depending on the relationship you have, you can even ask. And I would love us to get to a place where those kinds of conversations are very familiar and tolerable and we can consistently check in on that. What is it like to be my friend? You know, what areas do you think I could address to become a better friend for you and to you? And that's a healthy relationship where someone can speak on those levels and no one's going to take it personally. I have really, really, really valuable friends in my life where we will talk in those ways and I can hear that from them because they mean a lot to me. And I know that the care and the love is there, which is, you know, the foundational piece you need. And we'll talk about that. Like they'll say, hey, you've really let me down this week. I've needed you and you haven't been as available as I, as I, as I would have liked. And my first thought is, I'm sorry to hear that. Whether I agree with that or not, the first entry point is, I'm sorry to hear that. Thank you for telling me that. That tells me you care about me. Like, thank you for caring enough about me and our relationship to let me know that that's how you feel. Let me sit with whether or not I agree with that and what I and how I can show up to that, how I can change that. And often the answer is, you're right. You're right. And I want to do better. And I'm going to work on that. And notice in the way I just modeled that, there's no defensiveness. There's no attacking. I can hear it from them. I can sit with it. But that has to be done within the context of a healthy relationship where I feel like we've built that trust. And if you don't have that, that should be your goal. Start building that trust where you can hear that from them, where they feel safe telling you that. Right? That's the work. That's relational health is those pieces. That's what tells me that those people are sustainable as, as partners in whatever the way they are, right? So seek that, create that. Sit down with some people in your life and say, I'd love to be able to engage each other that way. All right, coming up next, we're going to be talking about woke fishing. I know, it's a psychological term. I love this stuff. A culture is always producing new things, usually born out of an issue. And then we're going to be doing some DMage, some DMing, you know? All right, listen to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right, we're back. And uh, this one's going to get a little juicy. <laughs> this pulls together. This literally pulls together racism. This pulls together cancel culture. This pulls together what they call performative allyship and woke fishing. And it's really interesting. So basically Yelp announced, um, I think this was over the weekend, actually. I saw the article this morning, though. Yelp announced that they're going to start calling out businesses that are accused of racism. Okay. So let's, let's sit with that for a second because there's so much in that. So for a lot of individuals, they're saying, okay, a lot of businesses and business owners are really problematic in their politics and there's no way to really get a sense of who is taking your money. And part of living your daily life is recognizing that everything you do is political. You know, wherever you spend your money, you're supporting something. And it's and for people like myself, I like to know who I'm giving my money to, right? So we talked about Jeff Bezos who owns Amazon. Uh, I don't give my money to Amazon if it's if, whenever possible because I don't support him and his elitism and classism. And uh, I was also sharing with you guys before that when I'm shopping online, I try to find black owned businesses or businesses owned by people of color and give my money to them first. And I try to always find smaller mom and pop shops. Um, I try to not support corporate culture and corporations whenever possible. And then I try to find queer owned. If I can find black or POC queer owned, that's amazing because that's where my politics are, right? So Yelp is helping people like myself and they're saying, look, these are the companies that have been accused of racism. And I think that that's really valuable. I wanna know. I've had some issues and I've seen issues going on at certain uh, 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 places, businesses, you know, restaurants, shops. And what it really does is holds the shop owners accountable and it holds their employees accountable. Look, if you don't wanna lose business, be more open to humanity because it ties into this also this piece of 
this whole concept where people are saying, you know, we can have different opinions and it's like, yes. And I'm kind of tired of explaining this. So maybe this will be one of the last times I kind of break this down because it's kind of exhausting, but difference of opinion is things that are, don't talk about the worth or value of a human life, right? So difference of opinion is what what flavor ice cream is better, vanilla or chocolate? Difference of opinion is do we need more uh, street signs or, you know, whatever in our local town? Difference of opinion is should we change, get rid of daylight savings, right? You see how objective those things are? When we move into the conversation of do gay people have a right to healthcare and getting marriage, do black people have a right to life? Uh, that is now moving into, are we talking about, you know, we're talking about discrimination. And so it's not about difference of opinion. It's you support someone supporting discrimination and the other person trying to undo it. So it's, 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 you can't say difference of opinions. And we talk a lot about, and we will, um, again, at some point, how to figure out what you want to do if you're in a relationship with a family member, a friend, and they support discrimination, not difference of opinion. They support discrimination and violence. And I've removed people from my life saying, listen, you are actively voting against and supporting things and people that are harming me and people I love. I can't have people that support violence and discrimination in my life around me because that shows up in multitude of ways. Businesses, there it is again. Now, here's the problem though. People are saying, well, it ties into call out culture as well. And is it woke fishing? And woke fishing means, are you performing allyship? Or do you really, like, do you really care or are you just doing it because that's what you're supposed to do? We see that woke fishing showing up in some TV shows where you're like, wow, they checked every box. There's a fat person, a black person, someone who's bisexual, someone who's non-binary. On one hand, I'm all for it because I don't care what's driving something like that. I'm just glad it's up there. I want inclusion. I want representation. And the more we do it because you feel like you have to maybe, the more normal it's going to get. So I'm here for that. But people are also saying, what are the motives though? If you're just driving dropping them in. But if we're looking at the company and the company's still a bunch of white cis hetero people, well then it is performative. So we do want to pay attention to that. Now the call out culture piece swoops in, see how complicated this gets? Because people are saying, well, does the business get an opportunity to explain, defend, or even say, listen, we heard what you said. We've gotten rid of that employee or we've put new protocols in place. No, most likely they don't. And so someone who's just upset at a business could call them racist. That business loses customers and they might not have even have done anything wrong. So it's a very, very complicated thing. I think the motive is absolutely stunning and important, but I wholeheartedly understand the anxiety that some have around the possibility of this being weaponized, right? But again, I've, man, I myself, and remember I am, I'm male presenting. I am white. Uh, I am cis. I am upper class, middle class, upper class, however you want to look at it. And so if I've dealt with some problems, I can't imagine what goes on for others. I, I have a really dear friend. She's a friend of Loveline, uh, Rebecca Sheet, a licensed therapist. She's on the show all the time. She was just telling me the other day that she had an instance in a supermarket where a woman was telling her to go back to her country. Rebecca Ishida is Asian. Um, her dad's Japanese. And she reads Japanese and she had asked a woman to just please move her cart. And the woman said, please go back to your country. And I thought, you know, there it is not a difference of opinion. That's violence and discrimination because the woman didn't like the question that was posed right now. Again, that's an individual consumer, but people also see that from employees and business owners. And I've seen it where when someone, a business owner employees upset by the person who's shopping there, they go right to that racial piece. And so I like, I like what I like the heart of this, right? I just don't know how the application's gonna go. 
And y'all know I'm here for stuff like this. I just posted, let me see if I can find it really quick. I just tweeted out, ah, yeah. So I stumbled upon this quote and I loved it. The quote was, the idea that allowing bigotry in the name of politeness, I'm sorry, let me say it differently. This whole concept that that allowing bigotry to, to continue because we're trying to be polite or the better person is crap. And I agree with that. We have to be able to call things out and have that. I don't like the word polite, to be honest. You know what I mean? Because I'm an activist and so I'm all about um, trying to create change. Anyway, I'm rambling. I'm rambling. I tend to do that. Coming up next, DMs. <laughs> oh man, you're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, y'all, we are back and uh, we're going to be sliding into those DMs right now. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sexy world. We want you to explore with confidence. I think today's going to be one of those shows where I ramble a lot. I actually think that's going to be this week. <laughs> I haven't been feeling well because of allergies, and I think I'm finally starting to feel better. Those that have been listening, I've been a little hoarse, a little phlegmy. I still am today. I think it's, I, I talked about this last week, but I think it's the air conditioning being on so much. Uh, I have really extreme allergies. I have a cat. <laughs> we're all falling apart, but we're doing the best we can. Anyway, this DM. Uh, I, we promised we'd get to this one. So here it is. Uh, we get to all of them. It just takes time. And so I know some people are anxious, but this person was talking to my producer apparently. So here you go. Hey, Dr. Chris, my 11 year old stepson posted a video of himself dancing to Cardi B's WAP on TikTok. Okay. <laughs> this is already loaded. Just the topic of WAP dancing. So your 11 year old stepson posted on TikTok. God bless it. Are 11 year olds supposed to have TikTok? Uh, I'm not parent shaming. You have to decide for yourself. I'm just very, I, I'm not aware of what age range uses it and what's on there. I'm so disconnected from the TikTok thing. I've only seen adults on there. Well, not adults, but you know. Anyway, my partner's family brought it to his attention and we all had a really nice chat about posting mindfully on social media. Bam, so far I already love this. You didn't shame, you didn't yell. That's just your anxiety and frustration. I love the route you went. Let's sit down and talk about it. Like, hey, little 11 year old, you know, child of mine, um, you posted this song, Bob. I love that. That's that's good. Um, bum, bada, bum. We spent time going through and cleaning up his social media of anything he feels is embarrassing. Okay. I'm curious to hear your perspective on folks his age sexually expressing themselves through movement and listening to sexually explicit lyrics. I want him to be able to explore his sexuality through movement and don't want to damage him with shame or send the message that anything sexual is wrong or bad. How do we find this balance? First off, I want to just pat you on the back because the fact that you're even thinking in these terms, the fact that you're even thinking in the terms of um, the fact that you're being conscious is it means I'm pretty confident that you're going to nail it whatever you choose to do. Because when someone asks a question and the way they ask it, I can hear how much shame or anxiety they're operating from. And you seem like you have a, a, the kind of family unit where everyone has a very vulnerable, intimate ability to talk about their feelings and thoughts and what's going on. So my answer right off the bat is go with your instincts because I really feel like yours are good. All the terms and the ways you're framing this are already really solid. So I'm gonna give you a little more insight in a minute, but I just wanna start by saying, trust yourself. I say to some people, I'll lovingly say to some people, you know, check in on that. Maybe Google that. Maybe do some research. It seems like you know, this is a topic that's hard for you, a.k.a. don't trust yourself. Then there's other people like yourself where I say, yeah, I think you, I think you have a really good core sense of, of what it should feel like and look like. And trust that. When you see it, how does it feel? Lead without shame. So I have a couple different things. Uh, my buddy Amber Rose once said this to a parent. A parent said, you know, the things you're posting, my child's looking at it, it's not appropriate. And her response was, I'm not for children and you're the parent. 
you are supposed to be monitoring what pages your child's on. All sorts of things exist on television, in songs, on, on the internet, on IG. It's your job to manage that, not mine. And she's, Amber Rose said, it's not my job to consider who's looking at it when I post. I post for who I'm posting for. And I actually agree with that as well. Like I post for who I post for. So when people are telling me to please stop putting Trump down, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not posting for you. I post based on what makes sense to me. I'm rambling again. However, I think you're already nailing it. So here's my thoughts on this. Um, we, we sexualize children, you know, when, a, a, when a person is just dressing in a way that makes sense to them and someone is just dancing the way that their body feels comfortable to music. If we see that as sexual, that's saying more about us. We're projecting that onto the child. The child's just moving their body. Children don't have a sense of what flirtation, eroticism, and all that looks like. As we get older and we encounter it more, we can start to mimic things in service of, we have the goal of, but a child is just neutral. And we're calling it sexualized. We're saying we see that as sexual. We're calling ourselves out, right? So I'm okay with children just moving their bodies and not having that shame because it's tied to something sexual because I don't want them as an adult to think or as an adolescent when they're moving towards having sexuality with someone else, I don't want them to find that uncomfortable and to really be rigid in that. Now, having said that, the sexual explicit lyrics part is what I do want to zero in on. There is, a, there is an age appropriateness to that, right? So for instance, if I'm a parent, I'm letting my child dance in it however they want. I'm not worried about that. But I am gonna be aware of what they're watching and listening to and looking at because I don't want them to be overwhelmed. I don't want them to get scared because a child looking at adult graphic porn, for instance, that's gonna be very overwhelming. The bodies they're seeing, the size of the bodies, uh, the behaviors, they're not able to figure out what that means and they're gonna compare themselves. So I would say, listen, some things are for adults. You know, it's fair to acknowledge that some movies, some songs, some videos, you can say there are adult things that exist that involve, you know, things like sexuality and when you're old enough, we'll talk about that. And so I think it's okay to limit kids exposure to the content of an explicit song because I don't want them to start talking in those ways, right? Because that's going to create a lot of problems. And so I think what you're doing is what you do. You kind of just talk about what it is and why it's not for them. So I think you're, I think you're nailing it, you know, well done. All right. Uh, coming up next, we're going to talk about coming out day, which was last week, but I held it until this week because I want to talk about it differently. Listen to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. Question of the night, as always, is up on our Loveline AG page. So waiting on that bad boy. Um, yeah, I really liked our last DM. I, I, gosh, I could have talked about that for a few more segments. We'll come back to that topic, though. So National Coming Out Day, I think it was last Friday. The, um, or maybe it was the 10th. I can't remember. My point is this, though. We kind of talked about this last year. Um, it's important for those that feel comfortable and safe coming out to come out, right? Because... Um, that starts to normalize, right? And what I mean by that is people start to get really familiar seeing and hearing about it, thereby making it something that isn't triggering or surprising or shocking. Bigger than that, when people you really love, care about, and respect come out, that has a big impact because you start to then be able to associate someone being, you know, some part of LGBTQIA+, and them being someone you really care about and you love, and that helps normalize. I also always hold space for the fact that not everyone is ready 
or not everyone's in a safe environment. Not everyone can come out. Some people will be suffering violence or losses of different kinds, career or otherwise, that they're not willing to encounter because they don't feel like it's worth it. I support that. You don't have to come out. <clears throat> I actually think it shouldn't be on people in the community to come out. As I've said over and over, we need to be getting rid of the closet. It's heterosexuality that creates the idea that a closet needs to exist. It's heterosexuality, what we call being heterocentric in our culture. We assume everyone's straight unless proven otherwise, which means people that are otherwise have to prove it, AKA coming out of the closet. That's not fair. It's not fair for black people to have to say to white supremacist culture, hey, can you guys you know, respect us? No, white people create racism. So it's on white people to stop racism. And same thing with homophobia and everything that centers around that and biphobia and all those things. It's on straight people to stop assuming. So gay people and, and, and bi people and sexually fluid people don't have to come out of the closet. So let's get rid of the closet. So what does that mean? That means stop assuming everyone's straight. You know, I had this really, really beautiful moment and this was so profound. This was a while ago, it was about a decade ago. I was visiting my hometown and I was buying flowers. I think I was buying them for my mom, to be honest. And a woman was watching me and I was being very thoughtful in what I was choosing. And she said, oh, those are so beautiful. What a lucky girl or guy. And, that was, and that's how you dismantle the closet. She didn't, she checked herself. She didn't assume that I'm, that I'm, that I'm, that I'm straight. She didn't assume they were going to a female partner. She said, oh, or guy. And I said, thank you because maybe they were for a man. Maybe I am gay, maybe I'm bi, maybe I'm sexually fluid. Maybe I'm hetero, but I'm giving to a male friend. And I loved that. Stop assuming people are straight, then gay people don't have to come out. So when you talk to someone, don't say, oh, do you have a girlfriend? You know, if you're talking to someone who's male identified, don't say, do you have a girlfriend or wife? Say, do you have a partner? Are you dating anyone? Are you dating any boys or girls? Let's normalize the possibility that gay, bi, sexually fluid people exist and say that to everyone. Even someone who I know is hetero, I'll say, are you dating a guy or any guys or girls maybe? Or are you dating anyone? Sometimes using non-gendered and sometimes I call out genders as an act of acknowledging that that's possible and it shouldn't be offensive. Someone who's straight shouldn't be offended when someone says, oh, you dating any boys or girls or anyone non-binary? Why is that offensive? Well, it would only be offensive if they think being gay is bad and, and that's a sign we still have more work to do. So that's my stance. Now, I wanna go a step further and also point out that we all have to come out because our sexuality is more than just our gender choice. Our sexuality is a constellation of all the things that turn us on. Our sexuality is bigger than just gender choice. It's, there's so many other factors. What, what about that gender? right? It's behaviors, it's sights, it's smells, it's scenarios, it's kinks. It's bigger. It's so rare that someone's like, I like men, all men, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? And I'm, again, I'm talking beyond cis and trans. And so we all have to come out. We all have to come out about the parts of us that are arousing and our desires. I work with far too many people who are in relationships with people that they still haven't come out with. They've come out as gay or straight or whatever, but they haven't come out about the, the positions they enjoy or the, the things they like to look at or think about. So let's use this week in a safe way to come out further beyond just gay, straight, bi. Let's come out and talk about all the other colorful things that turn us on. I used to talk more about that. Um, it's bigger, it's bigger, it's bigger. It's not just gender choice. And that's also part of the work is acknowledging that sexual orientation is not just gender-based. And when we say male or female, we also have to say, are we talking trans or cis, right? That's the work of sex positivity. And if you, my listeners, aren't the ones who are gonna do that work and help be a part of that, who is, right? And so it's like I call upon all of us, all my listeners, to be a part of making the world less heterocentric. Get rid of the closet.
right? And start coming out in more ways. So on coming out day, I want I want straight people coming out and saying, I'm, I'm kinky, or these are the different kinds of things that are part of my sexuality. I'm coming out with these, with these pieces of authenticity. And as always, I just want to land with the reminder that when someone comes out to you in any form, regardless of what you think about what they said, the first answer should be thank you. Thank you for caring enough about me that you want to be known more. Thank you for caring about me that you want to build that kind of intimacy. Thank you for trusting me. All right, y'all. That's that. <laughs> Um, all right, coming up next, we're going to be talking about mask shaming because we've talked about this before. We'll talk about it again. It's still going on. I'm st- I just saw another article today of a man on a flight having to get tackled by like eight or 12 people in a brawl because they told him to put a mask on. God forbid you ask someone to try to protect those around you. Yeah, God bless it. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back and uh, we're going to talk about mask shaming. Such an interesting thing. And basically what it's about is understanding that screaming in someone's face <laughs> doesn't get a lot accomplished. It can sometimes. Uh, you know, some shaming can work actually. It's not mentally healthy. You don't want people to internalize that. But we're in a pandemic. People still aren't following the rules. They're not worrying about how they impact others. They're prioritizing things before, you know, people's life. Uh, so first off, again, don't 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 shame them, don't insult them, don't label them a COVID idiot. There's so many little funny buzzwords. Uh, name calling just antagonizes. It really just creates more aggression and pushback. It's not a safe space around which to try to educate someone or influence them or positively motivate them. Right? Naming, name calling, and just screaming just creates a pushback. They go into fight or flight. A battle begins. Nothing's really accomplished. No one gets what they want. Um, don't be self-righteous or judgmental. Don't look down on them. You're not better than them. You might just be more informed or have more compassion, which is what is usually the case. And that's why you're willing to wear a mask because it's a minor inconvenience. If one, even at all, we get very comfortable with them. Yes, you can breathe. And um, you want to try to communicate that. And so you don't want to villainize them, but I think it's okay to set boundaries. You know, it is okay to sit down and say, listen, you're impacting me because we live together or we're dating or whatever it is. And I need to know what level of risk you're engaging in, or we need to have a pact. I want families and people that are cohabitating to have pacts and rules and you have to trust everyone's following them. So on that level, it is okay to kind of weigh in to that extent, right? I want people to, to talk about that stuff. So what do we then do instead, right? Education is the first piece and we want to use credible information because some people are going to be swayed by science and you can talk about share or cite research that shows how if we did all wear a mask, I think I forget what the number was, but it was like for two weeks, just two weeks if everyone wore a mask, we could stop this thing dead in its tracks. It's a very minor inconvenience wearing a piece of cloth over your face for that small amount of time when you leave the house or around others. Sharing something like that in a very neutralized way makes it safer for them to internalize it, digest it, sit with it, research it further. So notice that I said it in a calm tone, using clear languaging and backed by science. It's very basic, simplify it, but you wanna use credible messaging right? And use science. That will work for some people, not everyone. You also have to think about people's intersecting identities, make it culturally appropriate or identity appropriate. Not everyone can have the same expectation. Not everyone can afford a mask. Not everyone has access to Wi-Fi to get the information. Not everyone's smart enough to not watch Fox News. Um, so we want to make sure we're talking about it in a way that is understanding that people come from diverse backgrounds. There's so many different ways to style a mask, acknowledging some people have disabilities and they might need a different kind of mask. Um, 
but really getting away from things that are overly nationalistic or patriotic because not everyone is from this country. Not everyone that even in the country is all about nationalism. Like I'm not, I'm all about everyone getting their needs met. I don't, you know, overly prioritize my country or my state. I think more globally, all lives matter in that respect. Um, So, you know, that, and then also lean into maybe talk about the impact that it could have on people they love and care about. Right. We talk about, you know, the natural inclination. We hope that people have to want to protect people around them, people they care about, let them know how they could transmit it to their loved ones and their family members. Talk about the vulnerability of their loved ones or their family members, you know, because that's part of what's going to get people to be willing to do the needed work is that they have to have care and compassion, you know, and you also want to empathize with their struggle, you know, like it's, it's not, you want to be compassionate and understand that this isn't easy for everyone. For some people, not wearing a mask is a way to not have to really deal with the, the reality of what's happening because they're scared or they're anxious or they don't want to deal with the fact that they're misinformed or they don't have the money to purchase a mask. Like there's so many different pieces, but these things are simple. Uh, masks are easy. You can literally do every function you need to while wearing one. And so again, educate, don't attack, meet them where they're at, meet them at their level share love, care, and support. Let them know that you're trying to help them and to help them to help others. But you know, the name calling, the aggression, I get it. It has been hard for me while being limited to my, you know, access to things that are important to me out in the world. I'm, I'm following the rules and it's really hard to do that and to be missing out on things that are important and seeing people in large groups for long periods of times at house parties and birthday parties and all sorts of family gatherings. And you're like, wow, you know, I'm trying to protect you and that's why I'm staying home and you're out there not caring about me directly and indirectly. So I understand that that can give a rise to aggression and anger. And we're all seeing the videos of people literally attacking employees setting rules, family members, killing them, stabbing them, pushing them, shoving them, throwing things at them. It's a mess. And I understand again why it's such a trigger point for so many people. Other people's politics are feeling infringed upon. And that's why, again, we want to go to the key element of compassion and empathy. What is what is the meaning in mask wearing or not wearing mask for that person? And understanding what the meaning is in it for them to wear one or not wear one helps us better understand how to talk to them about the importance of it. But do know it's okay to set boundaries. Hey, you can say to a friend or family member, it looks like you're not comfortable wearing a mask. And then you run them through everything we just talked about. And you can say, so unfortunately, I have to limit my access or exposure to you because unfortunately you're high risk. And I don't feel comfortable with the fact that you don't wear a mask. You're allowed to do that. You are allowed to set a boundary and not be in close contact with that person. I, I, I advocate for people to do that. If someone is a high risk person, not following the rules. I'm not spending time with a lot of people that I see that I normally might feel comfortable meeting outside six feet apart because of their lack of boundaries. I don't, I don't want to come in contact in any capacity. It's also why I'm not holding clinical hours. I can't trust that every single patient in my practice is following the rules, even if they commit to doing so to be able to be seen in real time. And I don't want to run the risk of getting contraction, uh, getting, you know, COVID myself, nor do I want the risk of being part of passing it on to other people. That's why I'm not holding office hours. That's why I'm not going to family events. That's why I'm not going to friends' birthday parties if they're throwing them still, right? And that's why I'm trying to hold people accountable, which we're allowed to do. We're allowed to set rules and boundaries and hold them accountable, but care and compassion. We don't attack. That just puts them on the defense. They push back further. They dig their heels in more. It never, ever, ever works. So... Remember that, you know, we, it's true. And they say you get more with uh, honey than you do with vinegar, you know, being sweet and open and safe makes people, 
people more willing to stay connected and in conversation with you for you to get your point across, you know? All right, coming up next, question of the night, and then we're going to be doing some DMs, listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right, y'all, we're back. And uh, now it's time for question of the night. All right, y'all, these debates, they brought up a lot of jokes and memes, I'm telling you. I, I don't know if I've ever seen such an amazing explosion of memes. Centered around that fly, come on. I mean, we all, are, we all lost our breath, right? Did we all not choke, spit out our coffee, do five shots in a row, jump up and down and dance? When I saw that fly on uh, Pence's head, I refused to call him vice president because he's not for me. Um, I, I was like, done, done. I can't take anything this man is saying seriously now. We all know flies historically represent the devil. <laughs> they represent filth and rot. And that's kind of what he's doing to our country. He's part of the rotting of our country, right? Supreme, yeah, we'll get into it. Um, however, the debates have brought a lot of jokes and memes. But seriously, how have the debates affected your mental health? Now, it's a big question, right? Because it's basically asking how safe do you feel in this world? How, how, how much do you think the, the country is going to provide you the resources you need to exist and to thrive? We're talking marriage. We're talking healthcare. We're talking employment rights, um, reproductive justice. Abortion is a mental health issue. There is a gigantic mental health component to being forced to carry a child or carry a fetus, however you look at it, or to be forced to be pregnant. Um, when it's when it's something you're not wanting or it's something dangerous for you, we'll get into that another time. So, how the debates affected your mental health? They affected mine powerfully, and I'm a I'm a person of more means than most of the country in a lot of ways, and so I can only imagine. So, let's talk about it. First person said, "I got so anxious listening to them, listening to Trump and Biden bicker. Yep, that was overwhelming, right?" Trump and Biden and then Kamala and Pence and man, they don't shut up those Republicans. I think that was the hardest thing for me to listen to. It's just, it was like a runaway train. It was exhausting. Um, someone else said they really just show that this entire thing is a joke and we have children running this country. It's just sad. I know. I didn't see a lot of maturity. Um, Kamala was most interesting to me. I think she was the most poised her faces were everything to me. I think if nothing else, I could have muted it, watched her facial expressions. She was attempting to be an adult up there and just kind of like hold her space. But again, you know, as we talked about in, in, or people are seeing some of the memes, you know, the moderator um, called her by her first name, did not do that to Pence, right? I think that that might be some sexism or some patriarchy in there. Uh, definitely allowed uh, him to talk more over her. It was a mess. Someone else said, again, question night is debates have brought up a lot of jokes and memes, but seriously, how have they affected your mental health? Someone else said, exhausting. How could this be real life? It's kind of my stance too. I just was like, what is going on? I've never seen a debate like this. And I do blame the Republicans. It's like, a, like I said, it's like a runaway train. What is going on? It was like, it was ridiculous. It did not enhance or strengthen or even build any sense of comfort. Somebody else said, having little to no hope for our future in the States. I know. I've never heard so many people talking about looking at uh, or exploring options to leave the country. I myself was looking into it. 
um, that I understand. And I was, and I said this last week on the show, but I, I, I also feel that some of us need to absolutely stick around and help those that aren't able to leave. We can't all, those of us have means, just take off and leave those that don't here to suffer. I don't believe in that. And so I decided most likely I'm sticking around to kind of continue to do the work. Um, but that's the activist in me. And I can understand where some people are like, I, I don't have that in me or that's an expectation I can't be held accountable to. And y'all have to take care of yourselves. But I have a multitude of patients as well that have been seeking out different kinds of programs. I mean, there's islands in different countries that are offering programs to Americans that want to come over there and start businesses and contribute to their economy and their culture. And, and I get it. Uh, again, question night is debates, lots of jokes and memes, but seriously, how have they affected your mental health? Someone else said, I've avoided them because they will affect my mental health greatly. I just can't. I respect that because you know you're going to hear about it from others. You're going to see comments and tags and memes and gifts posts on social media. So you're going to be forced to see some of it. So I respect that. I know a lot of people that were like, there's nothing to see there. I already know what their thoughts are. I already know how I'm voting. I only watched to see the spectacle of it all. You know, I had the popcorn out. So Nell said, can't stand to watch them without spiraling, to be honest. I know. I'm sending out so much care to all y'all. Someone else said, not watching is a form of self-care. I agree. And a new boundary I placed myself. I realized I need to deactivate completely even after because the outrage <clears throat> it's just draining and it really is and I agree with you it is self-care you know if you already know how you're voting and you already have a sense of where the you know each of them stands then it really just becomes whether or not you can tolerate 90 minutes of stress because I know I turned off the debate and I felt so disrupted and I kind of put my it was like a uh, what do you call it a head, face palm or a head palm where you slam your head down your hand and you're like what is really 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 going on it definitely did not enhance a sense of safety Anyway, we're all here with you. We're doing the best we can. I don't know. I don't have any message of hope in that one right now. Anyway, coming up next, DMs. <laughs> Listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and Radio.com. Two Minute Promise. We'll be back in two minutes. All right, y'all. We're back. Time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Slide the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sex world, and we want you to explore with confidence. Here we go. Hey, Dr. Chris, I wanted to ask you about this experience I've had recently on a date. We've been talking for about two months. We move over, uh, we met over Tinder during the pandemic. Well, we finally got the chance to meet in person just for coffee outside. Good. Because remember, <laughs> you're allowed to date right now. It's just meet outside, short periods of time, not around a lot of other people, wearing your masks. Say goodbye. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. All right, anyway, uh, met on Tinder, finally got to meet for coffee outside. Now, the photos I have on my Tinder are of me. Just before the pandemic, uh, here it comes, about 15 pounds lighter. When I showed up, the disappointment on his face made me want to cry. He stayed with me for about an hour and we finished up our date and now he's being super short. Obviously, I wasn't what he was thinking. My question is, how am I supposed to take this? My feelings are hurt, but also people should have a little bit more patience. The majority of us have gained weight since the pandemic. But also, on the other hand, maybe I should just have told him and updated my photos. I don't know. Thank you. Yeah, this is a big one. I think a lot of us are with you on this. Oh, boy. Here's what I'll say. We're in a time of a lot of catfishing, you know, and taking good camera angles. I'm a fan of posting the most honest pictures possible because people are gonna be counting on that. And if we look different, they're gonna notice difference. Difference better, difference worse. And uh, some people might feel misled. And, you know, again, we're, 
we're working hard on a larger level in extending the kinds of bodies that are represented so that slowly we start to internalize and normalize that and we start to find acceptance in that. And through the acceptance of that, we will slowly then start to be able to find desire for that. Because if we look at different cultures, even our own over different periods of time, different bodies are what we're found arousing. It shifts and changes. As we're doing that work, we still have to deal with the micro piece, which is we still are where we are. And I do want people who are looking for a romantic or sexual partner to be thinking in terms of attraction, desire, and chemistry. And I don't want people to necessarily try to build sex lives with someone they don't feel sexually attracted to because that can lead to some problems. You know, sexuality should be as rooted in our desire, whatever that might be. And for some, it's a little more simplistic. So a couple of things. <clears throat> people have also been catfished. And so there's this whole framing around, do they look the way they look? So I would say number one, always post the most honest, accurate current pictures possible. And if your body's changed in any way, you might wanna update that. Look, I work with some people with their arousal templates geared towards certain colors of hair or certain kinds of uh, presentation in fashion and clothing. Um, and if you've shifted and changed in that way, update it. So on one hand, I appreciate where yes, he could leave saying, look, the pictures weren't what I was attracted to, the person in, in, because we all have to go through that. Even if the photos we put on our Tinder are exactly what we look like, it's still left at the mercy of the other person to still develop a fantasy. When, when we don't know so, we have a fantasy. We extend what we've been seeing and we create a narrative around it. But also, even if we look exactly the same, that doesn't mean we embody it the same. So someone could show up looking the same, but somehow the way they're moving and the way they're talking with us and all of that starts to change. And they could say they looked exactly the same, but in person, I just didn't feel that chemistry. And so this person is in the right to not be interested if it's not feeling there for them. And yes, it's based on larger norms around what bodies we find acceptable and desirable, work on changing that. But nonetheless, this person sits before you and they're not feeling sexually or romantically drawn to you and it's appropriate for them to then back away. Now, I understand your feelings of disappointment. I've put on weight during this time. I, that's just where we're at and we have to allow that. So it's not a matter of go lose weight. It's not a matter of change yourself to, to meet this person's needs. But I would say update your pictures to reflect who you are now. I, you know, I say that about everything though. I work with some clients that'll say, well, I'm gonna wait until this thing changes before I start dating. And I say, I don't know if that's ever gonna change. Let's date as we are now. And if changes occur, we'll update as it happens. But <clears throat> unfortunately, that's part of it. Because again, even if you didn't put weight on, you still could have showed up and the chemistry wasn't there because we have to see someone embodied. We have to see someone in, in, we have to be present with someone to really assess true chemistry. And so it could have been tied to that. I don't, I don't know that it was the weight. You're going there because you're hypersensitive and aware of that. It could have been, it might not have been. It could have just been that like you weren't as interesting as he, they had thought or as smart or as funny. I don't know, right? It's very complex. But I would say update your pictures, make them as current as possible because yeah, that matters. Um, but at the same time, let yourself be where you're at. There are people that are interested in the body you have. And we have to just kind of be kind with ourselves. But I'm sorry that happened. That is hard, you know? All right, y'all, that is our show. We'll be back tomorrow. We're going to talk about really important ways daily that we can be focusing on our physical, but also our mental health because they all tie in. Uh, you can check out past episodes of Loveline over at wearechannelq.com, as well as my live streaming show I'm listening live on all the radio.com handles. That's YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. Y'all, thanks for hanging out with me and have a beautiful, beautiful night.